you're still below 40, can you stand on your feet? I want us to pray. Take a decision. What part are you going to play as a youth? In turning things around. Not just in this church. Not just in Enugu states. But in this nation and beyond. Things are getting out of hand. Morally and otherwise. Are you ready to go? And the prophecy is asking you that thing that you are holding on to. That you are refusing to let go. So that you can be an instrument in the hand of God. We are not exempting those who are sitting down. But today is young people's service. As a young person still single, what are you doing with your life? As the Holy Spirit ministers to us this morning, are you going to remain the same? Ask him to touch you and reach out to your heart and recruit you into his army for this season of revival. This time of visitation that you will be an instrument, an agent in his hand in bringing about this fresh outpouring upon his people. Make up your mind to be a part of it. Don't continue to remain on the fence. The Lord has an issue with you. And that's why he's begging you, pleading with you, to drop that thing you have been holding. Or that thing that has been holding you back. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, this morning. We want to bless you, King of Glory, for your love for us, especially the youths. The right from Friday, at the crusade ground, and this morning through this drama, and even the word of prophecy that has come, it's an outpouring of your heart to us. Your love to reclaim us for yourself. We pray that we will not continue to harden our hearts. But we will let go. And let God have his way in our lives. I commit myself afresh unto you, O Lord. That you use me as an instrument. To challenge these young people. To enroll into your service. So that they will be instruments in bringing down your power to be upon your people. Thank you, King of Glory, because the hour has come. Have your way and take every glory. Because we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us be seated. Today we are going to be a little bit selfish. People should not be angry. We are actually concentrating on the youths. And we are looking at the topic, the youth as agents of revival. And there are three words that are involved in that topic. The youth. We are going to look at who is the youth. What are they known for? What are they capable of doing? Especially in relationship to revival. We are going to look at agents. And finally, the issue of revival... I said there that we are not going to put so much emphasis on revival because our archdeacon 
Bishop Pikako and others have done justice in the definition of revival for us. I don't think we need to spend time on it again. However, as we go on, some definitions may be cropping up in the course of our discussion. Agents from the dictionary simply means a person or thing that works to produce a result. If you look very closely at the church program for the first half of the year, you will see that we have been or will be looking at various agents of revival. So it's not just the youths. On February 2nd, we, look at, we looked at the Holy Spirit. On March 29th, we'll be looking at women as agents of revival, ordinary people on May 24th, and then students on the, on the 7th of June, and fathers on the 21st of June. So, but among all these agents, apart from the Holy Spirit, the most critical agents of our persons in the betting of revival are the youths. And of course, you can see it even in the drama. All those elders, they were just there looking at the youth leader. And at the end of the day, you find the king's son going. I have the backup basis for my assertion. If you look at First John chapter 2, verse 13b and verse 14b, I won't be reading those scriptures because of time. It talks about, I write you, three groups of people, the children, the fathers, and of course the youths. But in the case of the youth, he told them three things that are very, very important. He said that they are strong. And then he told them that the word of God resides in them. In other words, they have the capacity to retain the word of God. I know that those of you who are elders looking at me, those of you who have become professors, to memorize one verse of the scripture because it's a problem when you clock 50 and above. Even as a preacher, most of the scriptures that I work with are the ones I crammed when I was young. They still remain with you. But today, you finish your morning devotion, by the time you are coming out of your house, you now begin to battle to reproduce it. I remember I used to memorize my notebook, history notebook in those days, and I make sure that not even one word from the lecturer escapes. And I had to go and meet one man who gave me 96. I said, why should you give me 96? Because I was so sure I reproduced his note for him. And the man told me, if I give you 100, which one would be for me? So they have the capacity to retain the word of God. Then number three, the Bible says they have overcome the wicked one. Youths, then there are people who should face demons, physically and spiritually. It's you. I remember one day we were holding deliverance, and the demon told our president that if he comes out of the person who was possessed, he was going to grab him. And the president became so scared. But you know, at that age we didn't have children, we are not afraid of dying. So if the demon comes, you are ready to fight him physically. But today, the first thing you remember is your children. You don't have those distractions, and I don't see why you should not concentrate in serving the Lord. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Youthful stage is the time to seek and serve the Lord with zeal and zest. So seek ye the Lord when you are still in your youth, when the evil day come not near. When you will say, I have no pleasure in him. The evil days come, like when um, uh, uh, Dr. Denver was talking on Friday, he was talking about school fees. He was talking about strength. I was really wondering how old he is when he was talking, because he's still a young man. It's not when we that are old are talking, he will be talking. still a young man. But if at that age, he's already talking about complaining about strength, you cannot see reason why at this your level, you should read, give yourself to the service of the Lord. 
And um, if you look at United Nations sites, they define the youth as between the age of 15 and 24. And in Nigeria, by the constitution of Nigeria, is between the ages of 12 and 18. Because at the age of 18, before 18, you are still regarded as a minor. You cannot open a bank account. And of course, you cannot own a driving license. But after the age of 18, you can open a, a, an account and run it on your own. You become a major. And then the government, the law begins to recognize you as a full-fledged adult. But United Nations says it's between 15 and 24. But where I am coming from, in the church I am coming from, we treat everybody below the age of 40 as a youth, except you have become married. If you are married at the age of 20, you now join the adults, the men's fellowship and the women's fellowship. But so long as you are within the age of 40, you still fall within this range we are talking about. You still have the vigor of youth to go all out to serve the master. Amen. So what can the youth do to ignite revival? Charles G. Finney said that revival is not a miracle. And I totally agree with him. So when you pay the price, revival naturally comes. Some of the points we are going to discuss. When the enabling environment is created, you have revival. When you stand on your wash, like you see in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1, said, I will stand at my wash and I will see what it's going to do. When you stand at your wash, the Lord will respond, as you see in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2. When you tarry in your closets, you see Habakkuk waiting on the Lord in chapter 3 verse 1. God will come, as in chapter 3 verse 3, you see that God came. By the time we are getting to the end, we will be able to read Habakkuk chapter 3, and you will see what will begin to happen when the Lord appears. Because the revival we are talking about, it's all about His presence. That gives us another definition of revival. In other words, bringing back the departed glory. That was what happened when Habakkuk waited on the Lord. The glory of the Lord appeared and it was very frightening that even Habakkuk himself would not stand. The other definition is bringing back God's presence. We need the presence of God like we saw in Acts chapter 5. When Ananias and Sapphira thought they could hide the truth from the Lord. And you, by the pronouncement of Peter, you saw what happened. We need that divine presence once again in the church. And when we gather together like this, we can begin to see miracles. And we are saying that the people who will cause this to come to pass, majorly are the youths. We'll look just at eight or nine points and then we'll pray. The first requirement that is needed for revival to take place, especially as it relates to young people, is to deliver your life to him. To deliver your life to the master. This is the most critical. As what Jess Smith said, revival is recrinkling the glowing splint. I told you that as we go on, some of these definitions will be coming up. So you cannot talk about reviving a dead splint. If you put a dead wood here and continue to find it for the next one month or one year, can there be any fire on that wood? Before you can begin to talk about rekindling the fire on that wood, there has to be some element of spark. And then you can now find it into flame. Are we together? So if you are here as a young person and you have not known Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we can continue to talk from today till tomorrow. You are still an instrument in the hand of the devil. 
And that is why you do some of the things you, you do without minding, without blinking. Somebody asked me, do you know the, the meaning of Malian? I said, yes, now. Malians are people who are from Mali. They laughed me to scorn and said that Malians are people who are following. Did you hear what she said? I know the mamas and papas don't know because me, I was hearing. Okay, even you, prof, you don't know. <laughs> Malians are people who are following the pattern and way of life of Naira Mali. And that day I, I had something that baffled me. As girls, they will not wear bra. They will no longer wear bra, they will not wear pants. I said, okay, no wonder where you are moving along the road, just for their buta will just be dancing as they are walking. And they wear shoes that will make it to their buta to be dancing naturally. When you are still participating in that way of life, you are an agent in the hand of Satan. Hello? You came to church this morning and you could not pack your breast. You are trying to destroy boys. You move about with your book beauties and you cannot use pants to hold it together. Because one small boy somewhere who is demon possessed is the one you are following his way and pattern of life. How can you become an agent of revival? This meaning I went, I learned the meaning of bomb shot. I didn't know what it means. Bomb shot. I thought it was shot just because it was defining the shot. They say it's bomb. Oh God, you need to go car bomb. Hello? Bomb. Is it the type of thing you be wearing so when boys look at you, you bomb them to death? So it's good you know the meanings of these things and see reason to keep away from them. Not because your mother or your father wants you, but because by your own thinking you know that that way of life is wrong. You need to be delivered from all those satanic entrapments and become instruments in the hand of God. Amen. The men is supposed to be louder, except you are not agreeing with me. They are not preaching to our mommies, I'm talking to you. Not talking to the adults. Are you not agreeing with me? That you come away from that satanic way of life and become instruments in the hand of God. Amen. Because the number two, the number two points we are going to talk about, I struggled with God over it and I said, what has academics got to do with revival? I didn't want to include it. But the Lord kept reminding me that I'm talking to you, so I'm not preaching to the church. And of course, since we have been talking about revival from January, nobody has ever mentioned it. But now we are talking to the youth, it becomes relevant. And when we look at it, the next point, apart from the issue of you are being born again, you are being a child of God, is that you, might be, you must be a champion. Develop your capacity through diligent study. That's number two points. When we are talking to adults, we will not bring that under revival. But for you as young people, for you to influence your society, for you to be, to, to carry out a, 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 a revival that can influence a whole church, influence a whole city, in the likes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the likes of Daniel, these people were champions. They were not dollars. We will go back to look at chapter 1. And you will see it, that these people were not ordinary youths. I will go into history to look at some of the revivalists. They were champions. I have to take time to read the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. In all the schools where he went, he was a champion. And that is why when such people talk, people listen to them. Amen? So you develop, number two is to develop capacity through diligent study. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29 says, See, yes, thou a man that is diligent in, complete it for me. Huh? 
He shall do what? He shall stand before kings and not before mean men. And not go and begin to push battle, you know, the other and attend the chapel of his resurrection. By the time the messages you are receiving in this chapel is telling on you, you should be ashamed to in your school. But it has to call for diligent work. Second Timothy 2.15 says you should study to show yourself unto who? Unto God. A workman that needs not be, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1. When you look at the attributes that are required in those four Hebrew children before they were enlisted into the king's service. Daniel chapter 1 verse 3 to 5. Then the king instructed Asphanas, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, and some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles. Now, I want you to take note of the fact that these people were Jews. They were not Babylonians. And it still goes to emphasize the point of our first point, of the issue of being born again, and becoming a citizen of God, a citizen of heaven, a child of God. In this verse 3 of Hebrew chapter 1, of um, Daniel chapter 1, we are told that they were Jews. If you look at Esther chapter 3 verse 4, when the king made it that everybody should bow down to Haman, when the get men were asking Mordecai why he was not buying, what was his response? He said, I am a Jew. There should be things you, you should do and cannot do because you are what? A Christian. And people around you, if you look at chapter 6 of Esther verse 13, you find that even the people around them, they told Haman, if this Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the stock of the Jews, <laughs> the certain that you cannot overthrow him, you must fall on account of him. Hello? It's the same thing I'm telling you this morning. If you are born again and you are a child of God, your pattern of life will take after the nature of God. Amen? Even in your class, those subjects that other people are crying about, that, those are the ones that will shift for you. Hallelujah. Because you are a child of God. God is king of kings. So if an ordinary earthly king requires these attributes, like if you look at verse 4, he says, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, because these were the things I was battling with God. What has no blemish, good looking, got to do with revival? But we'll look at them, depending on the extent time will allow us. <laughs> Gifted in all wisdom. Possessing knowledge. And quick to understand. Who had ability to serve in the king's palace. And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So you find out that if an ethnic king will require this kind of persons to serve in his service, will our God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, require less? In Luke chapter 2 verse 52, we are told that Jesus Christ grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with... I want you to be completing this thing for me, because we have just promoted you by changing your brain is sharp. He grew in Favor with who? And with? 
if you have read the total man, you will require that Dan Benson said that these four things are supposed to form the foundation of any normal man. The critical foundations of a man's life. And if Jesus Christ, the Bible records, let's leave the spiritual aspect, let's look at that issue of stature. If the Bible says he, he grew in stature, what it means is that you should not indulge yourself in things that destroy your youthful life. That's why I told you to stand. It's one of the reasons I told you to stand. It was so disappointing. Fukumwaka Kanana Primary School, last Hakurota, Rubedi, 15 minutes. Why are you sitting down? Are you sick? Don't indulge yourself in things that will weaken your physical strength. And when you're not physically fit, you cannot carry the power of the Holy Spirit. When you are physically unfit, you cannot sit down and read your books. I had this classmate of mine. He's, he lies down on the bed to solve even mathematics and physics and chemistry problem, uh, problems. Solving, I'm not talking of reading. He, sit, he lies down on the bed. Of course, he's very intelligent. Eventually, he had federal scholarship to go to China. But those kind of people are rare. For you to be a champion in your academics, you need physical strength to sit down with a chair and a table for a long time. If I do that now, if I'm going to stand up, I have to give it some minutes. If I stand up, then I might end up at orthopedic hospital. If I sit there for up to two or three hours, I have to gently stand up. I'm telling you because I had an issue sometimes. But when I was young, I would start, I jump up from the chair and I go. So that is why when the wisest man on night is talking about evil day coming, it will come. If Jesus studies. So now that you are in, in this state, use it maximumly for the master. Amen? They call for night virgin. Go. The following day, still go to class. I know I got your night virgin. At the end of the day, the following day, go for lecture and be alert. Today, if I go for night virgin, I come back the following day, I have to sleep for another three hours before I can regain consciousness and be able to do anything meaningful. But at your age, you can go for night virgin. The following day, 8 o'clock lecture, you're there in the class. Am I telling lies? But if you're already beginning to drone at this age, then something is terrible. So take note of that, because the Lord really emphasized it. I was asking God, what has stature and physical uh, problem uh, strength has to do with? But it's, you have seen it in the example of Jesus Christ. The other one is very, very clear. The issue of wisdom, the issue of favor with God and favor with men. I don't have the grace of time to be expanding on all those things. I want to say this. You cannot tell the history of the growth of scripture union and the origin of IFES in England or IFES in Nigeria. I know IFES is the IFES branch of IFES, International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. Without talking about Oxford and Cambridge students who in 1886 took the initiative of starting Old Boys magazine. In 1888, George Pickington, described as a brilliant Cambridge scholar, an athlete was appointed to CSSM. CSSM is Children Special Service Mission staff to take missions to public schools. His academic reputation and colorful personality was very handsome and tall. Gave him many openings in the schools. And the number of boys were converted through his ministry. He was intelligent. He was in his sports. He was handsome and spoke very well. You know, you know, it was said of George Whitefield that he can minister to two continents. I don't know what that means. 
because of the sheer strength of his voice. He didn't need microphone and he can talk to thousands of persons. And then his family was not so well to do. What unlike people like um, David, uh, David, uh, ben, uh, David Bernard and um, Jonathan Edwards, who came from fairly um, good homes, who had some things. But why really didn't? Do you know what he's called the father of out, out, um, open air outreach? It was yesterday I discovered that that thing actually came by accident. He was invited to preach. By a vicar friend. When he got there, the vicar had traveled. And uh, this or God them. And all those Ndishuka. Eh, told him to bring the license by the Church of England. Which he had in a pool where he can preach. He could not produce it. They said he won't preach. So he had to now carry his. And went outside. And people gathered. He preached. The man said, wow. So I don't really need to be preaching in the church. And that's how, if you have read the history of Whitefield. He was driven from the church, but that became an opportunity to preach to even thousands out, out there. And he remained one of the greatest evangelists of all time. And he was also a teenager like you and I. Like Jonathan Edwards, he died at the age of 29, but he was ordained at the age of 22. And he remains one of the greatest evangelists of all times. So what are you doing for the Lord? You study the life and times of Martin Luther Jr., like I said earlier on. You discover he was valedictorian of his class and most outstanding students in almost all the schools that he attended. Resulting to scholarship for his graduate study in 1954 at, at a trial sermon at the Decker Avenue Baptist Church, he delivered a brilliant sermon, The Three Dimensions of a Complete Life. He said life at its best is a great triangle. God up there, you, and then others. He said that when your life is inwardly prepared, like we are talking to you this morning, you prepare yourself to be a champion when you talk people listening to you. And then you have this outward reach, upward reach to God. Like you started with number one, you are born again, and you have a relationship with the Father. And then you have a heart Outward concern for the welfare of others. When these three things are in you, there's no way revival cannot be sparked off. And there's no way you cannot become an agent of revival. You have an upward relationship with the Father. You have had an inward preparation of yourself through being a champion in your academics and whatever you're doing. And then you have a heart for people. Because revival is all about God reaching out to the people. And those of us who have studied the life and times of Martin Luther King Jr. know that he ended up turning the face of America that all the discriminations against the blacks single-handedly was able to break those laws and establish a pattern. You can catch a niche, carve a a niche for yourself. And it all starts from your youthful stage. Amen? Let's go to the number three because of our time. Number three is to defend the faith. Jude 3 to 4 tells us that we should do what? We should fight for this faith that has been committed to us. If our forefathers had not fought for it, it wouldn't have gotten to us. Say, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly 
for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. How long ago we are marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewd, uh, lasciviousness or lewdness and deny the only God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said from the beginning, the church is under fire. And God is looking for men and women who will defend the faith and retain true Christianity in our generation. The other day I was reading of a pastor who lined up young, young girls who were looking for husbands. And he was holding deliverance for them from singlehood. You know what? They had to remove their tops and um, were naked up. And he was sucking their breasts to deliver them from singlehood. The other one had asked that every single girl in his church invite other single persons who are interested in marriage. But there was this custom-made pants. His name was written across it. Wearing it will give you anointing to get husband. And all kinds of things are happening in our generation. You have heard about the super grace that is going on. You no longer tell people that they are sinners because they are gods and sons of the most high God and you cannot tell God that he is a sinner. But you and I can decide in studying this world to become agents for the restoration of sanity in the body of Christ. God is looking for men and women who are prepared to die in defense of their faith. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you must endure hardship. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 to 4. You do not engage in civilian affairs and frivolities. You don't engage in things that are distraction. What other you are doing? You have to be different like Joseph. You have to be different like Daniel. And when we are concluding, you discover that it has benefits. God does not just request these things of you to mess you up. He advised you to quit like men and stand fast and be strong. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13. And Revelation 12 11 says that they did not love their lives unto death. When you are prepared to die, that's when you start living. John chapter 14 verse 24 to 25. Jesus said that when a kind of wheat is alive, it does what? It abides alone. But when it dies, it does what? Can now produce fruits. So until you, you die, you cannot start living the reasons. You cannot be productive when you are so full of yourself and the flesh is still ruling in your life. Amen. When you are prepared to die, that's when you start living. Like Esther said in Esther chapter uh, 3, verse 18, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, if I perish, I perish. And um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Our God will do what? We deliver our God. Even if he chooses not to, we will not serve your God. In fact, I like the way the New King James puts it. We do not serve your God. All along, what I've written is, we will not serve your God. But this one says, we do not serve your God. In other words, before now, and even after now, as our lifestyle, we don't serve any other God. I like that translation. It doesn't, our sister, that's not a very good English. If you read this very well, it doesn't sound good English. We do not serve your God. But that is it. It's a radical stand 
as your life becomes so consistent that no matter the pressure on you, you can't give bribe, you can't receive. No matter what you're going to lose, you're going to stand for your God. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not theory. They said even if this God chooses not to respond to us, we will not serve your God. We do not serve Him. Of course, we know that as the, by the time we begin to end, eventually they were not devoured. We'll look at some of those details. And then NLT says, we will never, I like that also. And NLT says, we will never serve your God. We are talking to the king of a nation who has the power to kill. We will never serve your God. Now we will worship the golden image which you have set up. Then I prayed three times as before, facing Jerusalem with his windows open. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. I don't know what you are resisting, whether it's in your office, in your neighborhood. Some of, of course, uh, some of us came from very ungodly parents. Of course, up to today I'm still being haunted. Like, towards the end of last year, we traveled home. I traveled home with my wife, but I discovered the fail at their certain season. And I had to tell her, please, let's park and leave immediately. Because if they catch me, they will celebrate it in the whole of our people. The reason is because I'm not initiated. I don't know, I think I've said it in this church before. There was a time they had to take masquerade to come and look for me at government college. I ran to Ezipo. Ezipo. You can know the distance. Very close to Abakaliki there. I stayed with one brother until the thing died down before I had to return back to school. When I got back to school, they were calling me runaway students. Initially, I didn't know what it means or what it meant until I asked a friend. He said that masquerade came to look for me. That's how I became very popular in government college. And I was very small. I used to be the smallest in our class. And when I took that decision, I was not yet born again. I wanted to be a reverend father. And I was ready not to marry and to serve God. And I meant it. It was not an ignorance. I just wanted to serve God all my life. And then in Abakaliki, I was kneeling down one day. I was praying. Of course, I don't read the Bible. I read only the book of Job and the Psalms. Because the Psalms philosophical. It sounds very logical. The other place, I don't understand them. So that day I was reading and I had a voice. You said, I want to be a reverend father. What of the initiation in your village? And I woke up and I replied the voice that I'm not going to initiate. I'm going to serve you all my life. I wasn't born again by then. I had come back home before I became born again. And so when my father now started persecuting my senior brother, that he was the one that made it, my senior brother did not even know when I took the decision. My being born again now helped to fortify it. They fought me. I can't sleep in my village at certain stages because they want to come and carry me by force. But in the midst of it, there was something that you were looking up to that keeps you going in the midst of all those. Amen. So you have to be ready to defend this faith and to die for it. And when you come to that stage, you no longer be killable. Death will even be afraid of you. Amen. Let's look at four points because of our time. Requirement number four. Determine your faith and destroy the enemy forces through prayer. Prayer is the most potent instrument in the world. Prayer. And of course, you know, we can hold a weekend, we can hold a a month program on prayer and we cannot finish it. So I just talk briefly and then we go. If you look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 6. When the king had decided that all these people that refuse to interpret his dreams were going to be killed. The wise men in Babylon. It included that nature that I hope you are aware. 
So that's why we are saying determine your faith and destroy the enemy forces through prayer. If you look at chapter 2 verse 6, you will find out that there it says, however, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. But if you go to verse 10, it says, the child answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler or has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or shagia. It is difficult. It's a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king, except the, the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. But we are serving a God whose dwelling is with flesh, who dwells amongst us. But they are serving a God that they cannot easily approach. You approach him, you ki- he will be killed. But our own God, when you approach him, that's when you start living. And so Daniel was able to approach his colleagues. Because if you look at verse 13, you will understand that Daniel, they were included. He says, so the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companion, that said, that they said, no good, to kill them. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. And so when they prayed, God revealed the secret to them. And when they interpreted it to the king, of course, you know the result. They were promoted. And of course, the, the, the interpretation also had to spare the other wise men who have not been killed. Hallelujah. So you need to change the course of your situation and that of people around you through prayer. The word of God and prayer is the trinity of revival. If you are writing, you can put that down. The word of God and prayer, the Holy Spirit, the word of God and prayer is the trinity of revival. Those three things are very key in the betting of revival. The Holy Spirit, the word of God, and prayer. They are the trinity of revival. There can be no revival without the three. If you look at First Kings chapter 17 verse 1, Elijah said, there will be no rain in the whole nation of Israel except by my word. And in James chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, he said, every one of us here, we have the same passion like Elijah. That you can pray and change the course of things. He was, he was wearing flesh like you and I. And he prayed and there was no rain in Israel. He prayed again and rain came back. So your prayer can change situations. Through prayer you can shape the destiny of nations. The Queen of Scotland said, I fear the prayer of John Knox than all the armies of Scotland combined. And what was the prayer of John Knox? Single prayer. Give me Scotland or I die. And of course he died. That prayer was not answered. But by the time he was dead and gone, mighty revival broke out in Scotland. Amen? We are not praying you should die before we see the revival that you are starting. But you will live to witness its outcome in Jesus' name. But even if you die and go to heaven and the outcome of it blossoms in your absence, it does not really matter. Amen. But you have to make up your mind this morning to become an agent of revival. To become an instrument for turning things around. Amen. The fifth requirement, those of you who are right now, I'm going to give you an assignment because I don't have the grace of time. I said you depend on the result of your resolve. In your notebook, just put... Column number one, resolve. And then the other side, results. I'll give you the Bible passages. You do it, you work it on your own when you get home. 
the resolution in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 and the outcome, the result is in Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 to 20. What was the uh, resolution in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8? Yes? Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Yeah. Resolve that you will not um, take the, the food of the king. Like, because you know I told them, I told his mamas and daddies, that people have the power to retain the word of God. Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with the king's meat. And I suppose also that Meshach, Chedek, and Abednego also joined him. Don't you think so? And the result was that God um, started with them. He had to be with them. They had good stature. This stature we were talking about, the Holy Spirit told me that they had good stature. But they were not eating pandediamu. Neither were they drinking tea and bread and egg. I don't know what's your best food here. Those some trust me, they were not eating. What were they eating? Eh? That's what they were eating. And at the end, when they were examined by professionals, by doctors, they were good looking and healthy. More than those people were eating the king's delicacies. And of course, at the calling of the results, they were the best graduating students. The way I look at it, like Daniel was number one. Then the second position now went to Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their scores tied. So it was difficult to determine who was first, second, and third. So Daniel was number one. And then the other three became number two. And then the rest. Amen. Is it still possible today? It's still possible. Because we are still serving the same God of Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. Then resolve. Number 2, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Then, have you written down Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18? When you go this, study it and the Holy Spirit will give you ministration. Then the result of that result in 16 to 18 is in chapter 3, verse 23 and 28. Verse 23 to 27. He said, look, king, we are not... Meditating, we are not trying to build walls to be diplomatic in the way we are responding to you. Hello, we are not trying to be diplomatic the way we are responding to you. This God who we serve is able to do what? That is faith. But even if he chooses not to, we are not going to serve this image that you have made or bow down and worship your God. That is faith. And they don't even want for that matter. They resolved, and of course, the outcome you will see in verse 23 to 27. We don't have the grace of time, but so many wonderful things are there. I want to let you know that if you look at verse 19, the description in verse 19 and verse 20 takes care of verse 22. If we have time, we'll still come back to look at it. The issue of the fury of the king made them to double the fire. Seven times. And because of that anger of the king, who was killed? If you look at the next verse, verse 20, the Bible says these men of valors, special generals, were brought to show the level of wickedness and anger. And that same wickedness and anger is still against you today. I tell people were operating in ignorance. Go and check it. I have taken time to study the history of the Fulani. They come from um, the Ajalon Mountain. And it has been their habit that when they get to a place, 
They defend the people, and when they take advantage position, they kill all the citizens and occupy. That has been their pattern. And the Nyeti Allah has continued to tell you, even Buhari himself has said it, that the only nation in the whole of the world that has been given to them is Nigeria. And they must take it. So if you don't know it, know it. And then when you come to Nigeria, the Moseta tribe, the, the Igbos and the thieves. And the reason is that you, the Igbos, stopped us from dishing the Koran in the Atlantic Ocean. And they still hold the thieves as the people that killed Othman, Othman and Fodio. I've not read that in secular history that Othman and Fodio was killed in Benue. But the Nieti Allah people believe that Othman and Fodio was killed by the thieves. And so they hold that grudge. That's why you see the killing that is taking place in Benue. It's not just all about Buhari's administration. It has been there. So we are in a very great danger. His, his wickedness was so palpable that he multiplied the fire seven times. Of course, the best of his armies were destroyed. At the edge, they were not thrown into the fire just because of the distance that touched them. They were consumed. If you look at that, verse 22. But verse 21 gets me excited. Leads up to the latter part of verse 27. Verse 21 describes the address. You know, when you are reading the Bible, you say, Why can't you hold this precious name? Waste time. Now say, Are you quite shirt? Are you quite queer coat? Are you quite trouser? What is the meaning of all that? When you that information, is it important? But I also tell you that dressing, the addressing prepared them for what? For combustion. But at the end of the day, what interests me in that verse 27, the Bible said there was not even smell of fire. That's the greatest miracle that excites me as a person. The Bible said there was no smell. If they are cooking firewood here and you are standing up to some distance from it, wouldn't you be smelling smoke? But this was were thrown inside the fire. And the Bible said there was no singe of fire. Even on their head, it did not singe, did not roll, talkless burning. And there was no smell of smoke on their body. And the only person that can do that is who? Hallelujah. You will not understand until you confront people who intelligently dismiss some of these things as not miraculous. I had a professor of theology when we were in the seminary, plus Paul Tulloch, who tried to disprove that every of those ten things you consider miracles happened in Egypt. They were normal occurrences. They were normal natural occurrences. And when you read this book, you see some wisdom in what he's saying. That the soil of Egypt is red. So, when it comes to rainy season and the Nile overflows this bank, it will carry those red soil to the streams and the thing will become blood. What is supernatural about it? I said that the frogs, they stay in holes during dry season. And then during the rainy season, when water now gets into those holes, they jump out and fill the whole place. What is supernatural about it? That they are natural occurrences. And it says, the Red Sea is not Red Sea, that is the Sea of Reeds. So that there was no sea they crossed, it was Sea of Reeds, it was Reeds, the marsh of all. And then we counter to them, that if children, even who walked on those Reeds, and was able to cross, then the armies of Egypt came, and the same Sea of Reeds drowned them. That's even a greater miracle. So you don't understand. But I pray the Holy Spirit opens your mind to know the greatness of this God we are serving. Especially as young people. And you set you on fire to serve Him with the whole of your life. Hallelujah. This thing that uh, it's not sounding funny to me. We visited a young man yesterday. I think he has watched it in this church once. He's getting married next month. Or this month now. Today is first March. So, and we were talking about rapture. And then, 
And we were talking about Prince, and we said uh, that if the rapture comes now, we'll be very glad to take off. My wife can't start, said no, that we should ask people who are getting married, whether they want the rapture. They called a young man, and I know it's a very serious belief. I said no, for him, he will not believe in that issue of rapture holding on to his wedding. You know, when he came back, when we called, you know what he said? Yes, and last night, he said, <laughs> God should not put me to that temptation. He should not come until he has finished his wedding. You know? What is that thing that you are thinking is more important to serving the master? You want to get married and so anybody that comes around, you submit. And some of you will even begin to, to begin to sleep around with men because you, you want a boy to marry you. Is it the way to go about it? This God had a singe of fire. Could not even smell all the people that were thrown into fire. It's worth worshipping. It's worth serving. Amen. So the next resolve, that of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, you see the result in Daniel chapter 6 verse 18 to 24. Sleep taken from the king, and then lions became his friends. Then Esther chapter 4 verse 16, the great confession of Esther, if I perish, I perish. You see the result in chapter 6 verse 1 to 3. The same insomniac, the king could not sleep, Mordecai was remembered and then Haman hung instead of Mordecai. And finally, the whole of the Jews were saved. But the most interesting part of it, because we are talking about revival, if you look at the verse 17b of that Esther chapter um, 6, another chapter 8, he said the hidden people around, they became what? Jews. So that is what we are talking about. When you become an agent of revival, when you, 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 are, you are hungry for God, and when you are ready to die for the cause of, you resolve if it will mean time. At the end of the day, to bring about mass repentance and turning of the hidden back to God. Then Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1, Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. That's the resolve. And then the outcome. That's why I said we will read it and you will see when God comes what results. Habakkuk chapter 3, from verse 6 to, uh, 3 to 16. That is the height of revival. And that Habakkuk, you will see when God showed up and what it resulted to. Chapter 3, from verse 3 to 16. God came from Teman. Because if you look at verse 3, you remember we talked about the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Chicago. Oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work. In the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. And God responded. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mantara. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness was, the light, was like the light. He had rays flashing like His hand and there was power. And his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, and fever followed his feet. He stood and measured the earth, and looked, and started the nations. See, nations keep reoccurring. In that your small room, you can startle nations when the presence of God shows up. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed, these waves are everlasting. I saw the rains of cotton in affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian trembled. Oh Lord, were you displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made quite ready, oaths were sworn. Your arrows to divide the earth with rivers. Verse 13. 
You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You stood the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare the foundations to neck. You thrust through his own arrows and the head of the villages. They came out like a wild wind to scatter me. Their rejoicing were like feasting on the poor in secret. Look at that wickedness again in verse 14. He said, they came out like a wild wind to scatter me. They are rejoicing what like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses, through the heap, heap of great waters. When I heard my body tremble, I thought that even Habakkuk himself was trembled when God showed up. Hallelujah. I don't know the situation that is confronting you and your family. The only thing you need is the divine presence. And that situation will become sublime. I am telling you, I've had this witness in me, I've experienced it, and I know that when God shows up, situations that look insurmountable become solved. There is no disease that He cannot deal with when He surfaces. Amen. Whether it's in your village or anywhere that a man is threatening you, you don't need to go and face him, you don't need to argue with him, but you need to get on your knees, and when your God surfaces, hallelujah. I'm not an orphan, I have a father. And he dwells in heaven. And he's always there for me. And that's why I cannot be afraid. Hallelujah. So all you need is to do. My young people. Is to succeed. For this church. For the return of his glory. The return of his presence. And things will change. Hallelujah. Just take the result of your results. And it will empower you. You remember David when he was to go and face Goliath. And the soul was discouraging him. In First Samuel chapter 17. He said, you don't bother yourself. I don't even need this, your coat. I, your servant, was in the field taking care of my father's sheep. And a deer and a lion came with my bare hands and I tore them into shreds. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them. Hallelujah. The more of your resolve that the Lord responds to, the more your faith is strengthened to be a warrior for him. Amen. Requirement number six. Destroy sin through hatred for it as a lifestyle. I'm not going to lay emphasis on this. But if you must be an agent for revival, go and check church history. There is no revival that takes place without confession. Without the dealing for sin and hatred for it. It's not possible for revival to take place. And you cannot be agent of revival when you are living a life of sin. There can be no revival without repentance, confession, and forsaking of sin. You look at Genesis chapter 35, 1 to 3, which is regarded as the first revival that took place in the Bible. Without the putting away of sin and change of garments, there can be no going up to better. For Jacob and his family to go up to better, they had to bring foreign gods that they had with them to be destroyed. They had to have a change of their garments. They were scorched in falsehood and lies and shitting in business. I became a brand new person that was entering into better, the presence of God. As a young person, develop a hatred for sin. As a life pattern, not you, today you fall, tomorrow you rise. But the holiness of God becomes your nature. Number seven, depend on the word as your daily food. Job chapter uh, 29 and uh, chapter 23 verse 12. God is looking for young men and women who will treasure his word. More than their daily intake of food. Like Job said, I have treasured your word more than my necessary food. In scripture union, we have a saying. No Bible. Eh? 
Are there no scripture in your people here? No Bible? Somebody said no food. No, that's not what we are saying. You can now, you, don't, you, read, you, you eat breakfast after you read your Bible in there. No, no Bible, no breakfast, so no meal. It's a sin for you not to read the word of God and you go and be reading, be, be pack, pack, packing food in your stomach. Ajik surprised me on Tuesday, on Tuesday last week, at the men's fellowship, and I, I became very uncomfortable. He said, as a student, and not just a student, medical student, that he reads, finishes the Bible in six months. Did you hear me? Medical student, though. Six months. I think God was pursuing me, because while I was already feeling uncomfortable, I traveled on Thursday of that same week to Benin. And I met this staff of mine, a young man. Man, I called my boy. You know what he told me? He said, please, I want to go and finish my Bible portion. He said, he wants to finish the whole Bible in one month. Isaac fired me on Tuesday. Go to the another person is saying, I mean, I'm trying one year and I'm battling with it. Indiscipline. My five chapter, I know what I go through to even maintain it. And somebody's finishing Bible in six months, combining it with medical load, and another person now, living like me, a traveling secretary with all the busy schedule, is trying to finish the Bible in one month, 40 chapters every day. And me, I'm struggling with five. And we are going to the same heaven. These persons are around us. I'm not talking about Daniel, Shedrach, Meshach, Albert, Lego. I'm talking... So what are you deciding? All these people I'm calling are young people. It's not now. I'm not talking of the adjective you are looking at. It was a student. It was your age. What is your own zeal? What decision are you taking? You cannot be an agent of revival without the storage of the word of God in you. But at every point in time, that's what comes out. I became so proud one day, I was talking with my roommate, where something will happen about soap dish. And we were talking about soap dish, and I started talking something. He got angry. So what has the word of God got to do with soap dish? That day I was so happy. So must I bring word of God in everything? I was happy, because that's what is in me, and that's what's come out. We are talking soap dish, and the word of God has to come in. He was angry. And I thank God, I eventually he repented. Feed yourself with it. And you know, this word of God is part of what made Daniel to have good stature. If you have not known it, know it. When you are reading, I was following somebody. Oh, that thing baffled me that day. And you come back, I was following him up. As I was talking, his eyes were opening like this. Opening, opening. I was amazed. I said, this has physical effect too. Store the word of God in you. And you become an instrument in this end time. Amen. There are no two ways about this. Make your plans and follow through, and you become an agent of intense and sustained revival. My pastor in Benin once said, The word, those of you who are right, you can write it down. The word works if you walk the word. The word, as the word of God, works if you walk the word. If you look at Revelation chapter 10 from verse 8 to 11, you discover that as you eat the word, I'm not reading this Bible passage because I want to keep to time. As you read the word, it will be bitter. 
in your stomach, but sweet in your mouth. What that means is that God does not want you to store the word of God inside of you and leave it there. You become dormant and you feel like the Dead Sea. You continue to eat and eat. He wants you to utilize it. That's why you'll be uncomfortable to cause stomach ache. It will be bitter in your stomach. But when you bring it out, it will become sweet. Hallelujah. Last week or last two weeks, we went for, you know, this month is operation. One, we We call it Togo in scripture union. And we saw this building. It didn't look like people were still living in it. So, we wanted to bypass it, but I told Ike that I was with me, let us go in. I asked him, do we go in? He said, yes. We went. Then we saw one girl and went upstairs to the... As we were talking to him, because the place was deserted, one man came and passed. And the young man said, let me take track to him. He went. The man refused to collect the tracks. So, when we came down and I asked Ike, do we go and talk to him? Ike said, yes. He said, the man refused. I know a young man in secondary school was very, so disappointed. So, when I went to the man, I first accused him. So see the good work that this young boy is doing. You are discouraging him. The man said, when the boy left, I felt so guilty. And he was smoking, you know. So I felt so guilty. So you know that he was already sober by that accusation. And I started ministering to him. He gave his life to Christ. You know, when I left that place, there was that excitement. I felt like as if I was walking in the air. When you win souls, it enhances even your physical life. I felt so good. Others I was talking to were just like, this man that refused to uh, receive tract, he was smoking, now he threw away his cigarettes, he listened and preached. He, did it. he was not even in a hurry. And he gave his life to Christ. So walk the word. And when you walk the word, it has great rewards. Amen. Then, number eight. Number eight. We have one more and then I will pray. Defense to the Holy Spirit in your life's work. The effect of the Holy Spirit in your life work. You can read up Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 35. We're not going to read it because of our time. You can also look up Acts chapter 5, 12 to 16. But I want to say that the Holy Spirit is the field marshal of God's work in our generation. We also call this dispensation the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. All the things we are talking about cannot be possible. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit. But there's a work of the Holy Spirit I want you to take note. In that Acts chapter 2 verse 36 to 41. The central place of the Holy Spirit. The reason for Acts chapter 1 verse 8. From verse 36 says. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus. Whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they had this. They were caught. To the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what must we do? This is the work of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the sinner. When you operate under the power of the Holy Spirit, as you finish ministry, you will find very hardened people give up. Even the people you taught that cannot accept this gospel. And as young people work with him in partnership. When I say defer to him, that is. Make him your chief partner. And follow through by his instructions in whatever you do. With the Holy Spirit at the helm of your life, revival is setting. A life that is filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit is automatically an agent for revival. Finally, decide, direct, and determine the destiny of nations through closer work with God. This one is not just prayer. This one is friendship with the Master. Before the destruction of Sodom, God came to consult Abraham. That looks like an abomination that God come to consult man. But if you look at that uh, scripture very closely, Genesis chapter 18, 
you will discover that God came with the angels. He didn't consult the angels. But he came to consult Abraham. And it's like the destruction of Sodom only took place after Abraham gave his consent to. I used to battle with the fact that if Abraham had said uh, two, I don't know whether they would have gotten to because I'm not too sure the wife was a Christian. Because if you go to uh, Peter, it's only um, Lot that is referred to. I'm not sure of the wife. But I know that if Abraham had said one, I have speech, a scriptural basis for that. Look at Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1. God said even one righteous person. So if Abraham had insisted on one, so that wouldn't have been destroyed. Because at least Lot was there. If you look at Second Peter 2, 7 to 9, God refers to him as that righteous man in their midst. So if Abraham had gone further to ask for one righteous person, because of Lot, God would have spared Sodom. What does that mean to you? The destiny of nations, the destiny of your family is in your hand. You can change the situation of your extended family. You can change the situation of your village. You can change the situation of your town. I remember the distances we used to, to trek to go and minister the gospel. In those days, from Onicha, I would enter bus, drop this express now, not express, and then trek to Ogudi boys. And after all those trekking, I get there, it will be only one boy in the fellowship. At times I would be angry. See this boy that I spend my money to pay transport and then do all the trekking to this old road to come and minister and then pay transport again back to Anitra. But as I'm going back, because of the reactions and the words that come out from that, the mouth of that boy, I get so energized. I get so encouraged. You can direct the destiny of nations. That's your principal. That's your boss that is so hard. After one night veggie for him, situation will change. But when you come to this level of relationship where God has to consult you, when you become a part of the court of heaven, you don't need so much praying to begin to get results. Amen? And then if you look at the issue of Daniel, which we have been considering, we don't have time to be reading so much of it. If you look at the issue of Daniel, you discover that this Brexit you are talking about that just took place in Britain, the realignment of nations in EU, have been predicted by Daniel in Daniel chapter 7. All the tumor that's going on is there in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And when you walk as God's friend, you'll be able to dictate. You look at Joseph's close walk with God. He received dreams from God and could interpret other people's dreams. And that made him to become ruler in Potiphar's family and later in the whole land of Egypt. Is this still possible today? And all these things will happen when we choose to walk in close um, walk with the master. Finally, Daniel chapter 10, verse 28 to 29. We will read it because that's the passage that was given to me and that's what we are going to summarize with. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28 to 29. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve no worship in your dagger. Look at verse 29. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their house shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like them. This is revival. A whole nation, there is now a decree. That's only the God of Daniel, and the God of Shedah, and Abednego, that can be served. If you go down to chapter 6, you would see the same decree in chapter 6, verse 25, when Daniel 
was delivered from the lion's den. What again is revival? Is God not having a man here who can change the face of Enugu city? The face of Enugu states? And of course the nation at large. Check Elijah. He prayed fire down from heaven. In 1 Kings chapter 18, 36 to 39. Elisha directed the face of war between his nation and Assyria. In 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 8 to 14. We are going to pray. And there is this song that says, Send another Elijah here to pray the fire down. Lord, send another. Send the rain to heal the sick, raise the dead, and glorify your name. Lord, I want to be another Elijah here. I don't know whether there are youths here. You want to be another Elijah. And you want God to send the rain. From the month of January when we gathered here, in the workers' retreat, until today, it has been raining. And all the folks who are standing, can you begin to call on the master and say, I want to be white for you. You cannot be white. But the Holy Spirit has remained the same. One challenge I have in the Bible, even a wicked man like Saul, who was not even changed, when the Spirit came upon him, he became another man. How much more you and I, who have received him as our personal Lord and Savior, Asking for a fresh challenge, a fresh outpouring of his spirit. But by the time you get out there in the marketplace, even you yourself will be amazed at the result you will see. The reason you are there in that your class is for winning souls for the kingdom. It's for the transformation of the hidden to become servants of your father. That's the reason you are there in that class. Whether as a student or as a teacher. Whether as a medical student or as a nurse. Whether as a doctor or an administrator, you are there to be an instrument in the hand of the master. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for these ones who are standing in your presence. They have heard your word. King of glory, sky is made that you put the destiny of nations, all nations in our hands. Dictated your action in Sodom. That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel could transform Babylon. That godless nation. And the people can put their trust and their confidence in you. That more through that small slave girl called Esther, the whole kingdom of King Ahasuerus was turned for you. That even those who were not Jews decided to become Jews. This morning, Lord. As youth in this church, we come on to become the agents in the forefront of this revival. Today, not tomorrow. As we are standing before you, Lord, we make a pledge that none of us will be looked and will not be seen in the name of Jesus. We make ourselves available for service in this church. We make ourselves available for outreach to the hospitals. We make ourselves available for outreach in the fields, in the villages, in the marketplaces, in the neighborhood. We make ourselves available. Father, here we are. Use us in the fulfillment of your will in the name of Jesus. Father, we lose up the adults who are so standing, who have hooked up onto what you are doing. We pray that, Lord, there shall be fresh empowerment. That they too will become an instrument for the execution of your will. Thank you, mighty Jehovah. Be thou exalted and glorified. 
Because we have prayed in Jesus' name.